Ryan Stanton here with ASAP Frontline talking today with Dr. Emily Rose, and this is actually our Superstar ASAP 23 series. These are, okay, I'm cheating. Uh, I went back after the fact and found the most popular uh, sessions at ASAP 23 in Philadelphia, and now I've reached out to them because as all my schedule and everything, I wasn't able to actually attend any of these lectures, so now I'm going to bring them to you and to me. Uh, so this is my cheat code. Uh, so welcoming Dr. Rose, we're going to talk about some of the pediatric rashes. This is an audio podcast, so you're just going to have to visualize it. And I just already gave her the challenge that she's got to describe them very well, or at least give us some background of knowing things to look for. Uh, so Dr. Rose, first and foremost, give us a little background on yourself, and then we'll roll from there. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan, so much. It's an honor and pleasure uh, to be here. And I'm excited to talk about this very visual um, topic. I am an emergency physician by training, and then I did a pediatric emergency fellowship. So I really love talking to um, emergency physicians about topics, uh, pediatrics, because I feel like I, I really know what I didn't know about kids and what scared me. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I missed a few things in my EM training. Um, so I love to talk about kids. I love to talk about rashes um, because that's just, a, I love, you know, these challenging topics that, that sometimes stump us. So let's roll right into it. Some of the action that we're going to see, because it's, it, this landscape has really changed over the years. If you look at the numbered viral exanthems, you're talking about things that a couple of which really we don't see at all anymore, one relatively felt to be extinct, um, and then others that are incredibly rare due to vaccinations, but we still have the viral exanthems, we still have the other rashes uh, that are out there. Uh, you know, when I'm on some of the physician forums on uh, social media, typically not emergency medicine-based, because uh, I think emergency physicians have a fair amount of exposure and experience and can recognize a lot of them. You know, but especially some of the general-based uh, folks when you have a podiatrist looking for rashes or whatnot. But, you know, what, what are some of the, let's dive right into what, what, what we need to know, what we need to think about in terms of emergency medicine, especially with this podcast being geared towards community emergency physicians, the rashes in the pediatric patient. I think um, that's a great question. I think at the end of the day, it's important to realize that Common things are common, and when dealing with rashes, particularly in kids, by far the most common rash that you are going to see is a viral exanthem. And I think this is what kind of trips us up sometimes is because, uh, you know, there are a few, just a handful of classic presentations of rashes that we can, you know, diagnose or, you know, like the roseola, the slap cheek, you know, um, chicken pox and even, you know, features of measles. But but most rashes, most viral exanthems, they're not classic. You don't walk into the room and say, oh, yeah, that is, um, you know, this virus. Um, you don't have, oh, that's, you know, echovirus or whatever. Um, it's very nondescript. And viral exanthems, they can be widespread or localized, and they can be macular papular, they can be papular, they can be urticarial, they can be all sorts of different pictures. And I think just remembering that common things are common, and I'm much more likely to see a viral exanthem than anything, just taking that rash and putting it in the clinical context and picture and asking yourself, okay, is this a you know classic pattern that I can identify? Is this like a coxsackie? Is this hand, foot, and mouth with you know posterior um, palatal um, ulcers? 
um, or not, but regardless, the, usually the treatment is, is the same. It's sort of reassurance and, and supportive care. Uh, the dog was here. I just actually proved the point as to why I, I mute uh, during the response from the person I'm interviewing. Um, so let's. You, you mentioned that a lot of things don't pop as the classic that we used to see. You know, before we got started, I talked about uh, I did have a classic um, varicella um, not too long ago in the emergency department, showing everybody what's going on. Uh, kind of dive into some of those aspects that what we used to see in terms of these rashes and exanthems and, and have have evolved and how that may pose a potential challenge in the emergency department with the vaccination era. Yeah. So um, I think I'm glad that you brought up chickenpox because that is an important diagnosis. Um, it is interesting, I, I, I think. So a native chickenpox infection has, you know, somewhere between 200 to 600 lesions. If you're, you know, never been exposed before, never been vaccinated, this is your first time with chickenpox. Um, it's pretty miserable. I remember having chickenpox as a kid. It was pretty miserable. Um, and, you know, pretty widespread diffuse starting on the head um, and having lesions in different stages of development that sort of, you know, go from papular to, you know, vesicular and then crusted over. Um, and, now in the era where most kids are being vaccinated, you can still develop chickenpox, but the um, patients tend to present with like, you know, 25 to 50 lesions, much less. And it can be much more difficult to identify as chickenpox. Chicken you can't really make that connection. And why we care about it, uh, in, if somebody's never had it before, never been vaccinated, it can be a big pro bigger problem in adults, um, people with uh, medical problems, pregnant women, um, you can actually have significant morbidity and mortality. So it's a diagnosis that we want to make so we can sort of institute good um, protective precautions uh, for potentially, you know, more vulnerable patients. So we're seeing, um, you know, now in my wife's internal medicine pediatrics, um, and so I get to hear a lot of the experiences she's having in, in her clinics and, and exposures, you know, now with a lot of these pediatric patients, you know, folks that uh, existed before, but really got boosted by COVID, folks that are smarter than science, um, often because of their you know, because of things they've read online, the Google, Dr. Google, things like that. So talk to me about how, you know, though we had this significant increase in vaccinations, how now some of these choices, uh, refusals and denials change our evaluation and our uh, differential in the emergency department. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think um, only time will tell, you know, the impact of these things. Um, but uh, there is, we do have a fair amount of um, good still herd immunity um, with older children. I think it's going to take quite a bit of time before we can really see or seeing more of these sort of um, illnesses that we traditionally uh, vaccinate against and before we, we have, um, we, we, um, you know, can make those sort of connections, associations, okay, what's the incidence, what's, what's the risk? Um, but it does 
uh, it, it is important. Uh, some of these diseases like chickenpox, we are going to see more of them. Um, we certainly have outbreaks of measles. Um, that is a, an important public health diagnosis. Um, and so I, I think it's, uh, um, it's certainly our responsibility to consider these diagnoses, to know how they present and, and characteristic features of them. Uh, so we can recognize them. And again, um, even with, so 7% of the population are uh, vaccine non-responders to measles. Um, and and even if you have been vaccinated or had chicken pox, um, you, uh, you know, a native infection, you can get recurrent infections. So those patients may come in atypically as well. The majority that I see typically are those that just have a very mild infection after the vaccination. And then that discussion that you have with family that, hey, you can actually still get it even though uh, you've had the vaccination, that it's, as you mentioned, the non-responders or those that get a, a very um, truncated version of the virus. Uh, so let's dive into some of those things, those uh, key nuggets and pearls that emergency physicians need to recognize um, with rashes as they come into community emergency, in, in community emergency medicine. Right. I think it's always um, good, important to sort of have a hit, like the get your good, you know, bread and butter history physical. Um, what is the most uh, likely diagnosis generating that differential? Okay. Is this an exposure thing? Is it associated with fever? Um, I, I think something that we under-recognize is reactions to medications like drug rashes, um, certainly Stephen Johnson's and TEN. That's, those are more impressive diagnoses that we recognize, tend to recognize, um, but we may not make that correlation with new medications, particularly antibiotics and anti-epileptic medications, but you can develop drug rashes and irritation you know, from, from any, any medication that you start. Um, but I think it's also um, really important for us to think about, okay, what are those more serious diagnoses, those can't miss, those things that require, you know, are potentially life-threatening, require intervention. That should always sort of be on our radar and differential and dress that drug sensitivity rash, uh, rash is an important one that can present with like septic shock without really a clear source, um, that, that pattern necrotizing infections. Uh, I think that's it. also another important um, diagnosis to remember because those patients um, may not have a significant rash, just any, if they have any musculoskeletal feature with pain out of proportion, that's another, you know, can't miss diagnosis for us in the emergency department. Um, and certainly, um, I think the most life-threatening rash that we see that can kill you the quickest is anaphylaxis, which, you know, 20% of patients with anaphylaxis may not have any skin findings. So just, you know, not being so focused on the skin that we don't miss the whole clinical picture is an important take-home point. So a lot of these things we see, um, I mean, as you mentioned, a lot of it is not only just a rash, but how does the child look when we walk into the room? Right. Um, do it, you know, you know, within... On 90% of cases, as soon as you walk in the room, whether you're going to likely be admitting this child, transferring this child in certain settings, or what's going to happen, just based on how the child looks. Does the child actually look sick? Um, so when when is it that we need to really dial up our level of concern? You know, we're in a place that, quote, doesn't do peds. I've worked there before. Uh, in places that are somewhere in the middle, where do we need to crank up the concern concern meter here and potentially escalate to uh, either transfer consultation or bringing in uh, PDM or pediatrics in general? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the good news is the vast majority of kids are just fine with rashes. They they have self-limited, it's usually viral or it's something fairly, fairly minor and really no treatment or supportive care and, and um, reassurance is all that you need. Um, those patients that may have more something more significant, um, you know, if most kids are happy and energetic and playful, um, and if they are not, you know, if they have associated, even if it's a benign etiology of their rash, if they are dehydrated as a, you know, uh, associated with it, if they are really, you know, uh, septic, you know, getting that whole clinical picture. So their vital signs, their, uh, um, how they look generally, um, how have they been? What's the time course? Is this something that they were perfectly fine and then they are just knocked down on the ground? They're they're really not doing well. Um, you know, that's a concern. Or you know, has this been going on for for um, quite some time? You know, uh, less commonly. You know, um, I, a, a leukemic patient often presents with you know petechial and and pallor, and they just look terrible. Another important diagnosis, perhaps, um, you know, we always have to talk about when when we talk about um, kids and rashes, and especially in association with fever, is Kawasaki's. Now, there's no descript, like the rash can present pretty much any way, but that's the his historical context, right? So fever has been going on for a few days, usually. Those patients, you walk in the room and they just look toxic. Sometimes the first thing you notice is how red and dry and cracked their lips and tongue are. They just look irritable. Um, and I think that general, I mean, emergency physicians, man, they are the best doctors. I, I you know, I, I may be biased, but the best doctors out there. And their just gut clinical gestalt is so excellent. And I, I would say, you know, really trusting that. Um, and so patients with something, you know, I had a Kawasaki's the other day who I, you know, we couldn't tell, we're like, oh, this kid's sick. Is this meningitis? Is this Kawasaki's, uh, you know, a little bit unclear, but, you know, just, we just knew that the kid was sick. Um, and I think trusting, trusting that um, insight and instinct is, is always important. Yeah. The, the whole idea of as emergency medicine, I, I tell the, uh, I tell a lot of the uh, students that I teach, you know, the first thing you do is say something's not right. Um, whether it's an image, whether it's an EKG, whether it's a patient, you said something's not right. Uh, and then you start diving in that, gest that gestalt to say something is, is not quite, is something's amiss here. And with pediatric patients, thankfully, that's a little bit, tends to be a little bit more obvious because kids act how they feel. Um, un unlike the adults that somewhat have learned uh, the game a little bit. Uh, so dive into some of those key concepts or things that we may have missed that uh, really are drive home points from the talk you gave in Philadelphia? Yeah, um, so I think one of the big uh, um, take home points that we already emphasized is that common things are common, um, but a secondary part of that is atypical presentations of common things are also common. And I would say particularly, I think one of the um, most common rash that I see missed in that regard, in kids, something that's very, very common in kids is impetigo. Uh, impetigo is extremely common in kids, and it can look very different. So it's not always that classic textbook honey crusting, uh, um, you know, lesion on, in the mouth and face. But it can look like tinea. It can look like a little pimple. It can look like a little irritation. But think about impetigo anytime you have 
some sort of, you know, a little rash that is on hands um, and face and is transmitted amongst, you know, siblings and classmates and other uh, other kids. Think about impetigo and do not be distracted how it looks. That's a big take-home point. Um, another diagnosis that's very common in kids that we often miss because we're like, oh, it doesn't look like, you know, our textbook definition is scabies. Scabies is so common in kids. And so think about scabies. Anytime you have a rash that's very pruritic, um, you can think, oh, this is just eczema. You can think, oh, this is um, just a viral exanthem. But if you have a very pruritic rash, especially pruritus at night, um, you know, scabies is fairly easy to treat. And I, I would say have a low threshold to treat um, the child and, and the, the household context for that, um, because you're not always going to see classic burrows. And in young kids, it can be everywhere, including on the head. Um, so that's a very atypical presentation. But the home has become a household. Uh, <laughs> that's good, though. The good news is you've got good, clean audio. And then we're sitting here just, you know, Stanton families doing the Stanton family things. getting. <laughs> well, it's those, Halloween, yeah. It's for Halloween. For those listening right now, the Stanton household is getting ready for some Central Kentucky Halloween action. And... Uh, so life happens. And actually, we talked about right before we got started that a lot of my podcasts have more of an NPR, uh, Nat sound feel. And and though it's completely unrelated to pediatric rashes, that's what we're pushing here today is that there's a little bit of natural sound going in the background. So let's wrap up today um, for the sake of uh, for Halloween shenanigans, um, chatting about, you know, any take home messages you as a as as a PIM physician um, as messages, the opportunity to reach out to thousands of community emergency physicians, non-physician practitioners, and others out there, you know, things that your experience and see that can make us better clinicians as we treat in areas where we may not have a giant volume of pediatric patients with regard to rash. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think rashes are intimidating, uh, um, sometimes, and I, you know, I have, I've edited a textbook on rashes, uh, on pediatric emergency with lots of you know, lots of rashes and rash pictures. Um, I edit a complete, you know, Corpendium's derm section. I've spent a lot of time, I've given lots and lots of rash doctor, uh, talks. I've spent a lot of time on rashes and, you know, I you would think I would know more than I do, I feel like. Um, so I, I think my first word would be encouragement. And even, you know, dermatologists, we have the world's leading expert in dress syndrome at our, you know, at USC where I work. And, um, you know, I've been, you know, with him on patients and, you know, he doesn't always know when he walks in a room, what a rash is. So that makes me feel better, I guess, be encouraged that um, sometimes we don't know the answer. Um, but we do have clinical experience and clinical gestalt. And we can deduce by how the child looks, the vital signs, the history, what's the most likely diagnosis, which uh, may we may get that information just by a history, not even how the rash looks again, because you can have atypical presentations of things. So that's my first take home point is, um, you know, be confident in your clinical experience and gestalt. And you're not going to always have all the answers with rashes, um, but the treatments don't vary all that much, right? So it's it's um, supportive care uh, and reassurance, 
it's uh, topical steroids, it's hygiene, um, it's topical antibiotics, depending on the etiology. Um, it's stopping the inciting drug or irritant if it's like, you know, a contact dermatitis, poison ivy. Um, oh, that's, I think that's another, you know, point too. We, we see a lot of allergic sort of contact dermatitis and that delayed hypersensitivity type reaction can take several days to occur. So patients may not make the connection to the irritant and we might not make that connection connection either. So getting a good history in that regard too and generating a differential, okay, is this is this an irritant or is this an exposure, is this an infection? Um, and we, we generally do pretty well as emergency physicians, you know, say, I may not know what the virus is, but this is likely, you know, a viral syndrome. Um, and giving good return instructions because we cannot see the future. You know, I feel like that we, you know, so often uh, one of the most important things that we provide as physicians, especially emergency physicians, is is information. You know, the education information on the expected course, follow-up, return instructions, things to look out for. Because you know, so many people end up in our emergency departments because they either didn't get information or got bad, bad information uh, wherever they were before. So that great opportunity. So if you want to see the talk with everything involved, you can get your um, your uh, essay after the fact uh, subscription um, to the scientific assembly. And the other idea, the other point uh, is where can folks get information? Uh, you mentioned you or the you um, helped edit a book or edited a a textbook on this. So help folks get more information on terms of information they can get, education they can receive, and contact for you if they want to ask questions. Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, my email is emily.rose um, at med.usc.edu. Um, and I edited a textbook on pediatric emergency medicine published by Oxford that kind of covers, it, it was written for emergency physicians uh, who take care of kids who, you know, basically it's the book I always wanted um, when I was in residency and my residents, had, it's the book my residents have been asking about. And I also edited a book by Springer on um, life-threatening rashes. Um, I did, did that a few, a few years ago. Um, and I also um, am the uh, section editor for Corpendium um, Dermatologic section. So I think there's a lot of great content out, out there as well. And, uh, and my rash talk for this uh, um, scientific assembly, we went through 206 slides in 20 minutes. So it was, yeah, it was highly visual. <laughs> different than, than this situation yeah i know i it was a miracle i made it through <laughs> 206 it looks seemed like it yeah. had been a strobe light at this point yeah yeah i know i know and nobody had a seizure like that's <laughs> so we had our talk on pediatric rashes and epilepsy you can check that out yeah. on virtual asap <laughs> um it will uh, you can if you want to see the pictures associated with it uh, but as for me, um, you can contact me, rstan at asep.org, rstan at asep.org, at Everyday Med on X. My dog has somehow found a squeaky toy. And until <laughs> next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been some ASEP Frontline.
If you're not on the front lines, you're on the sidelines. Cue the music. Bam, bam, bam. Quiet place. All yeah. alone. Da, da, da. <laughs> That's so cute. That's classic. <laughs> That's amazing. Life, you know, these podcasts come out and everything seems relatively polished. Right. It's just honestly chaos at any given yeah. moment. No, actually that, I mean, that is, we're not used to quiet, you know, in our, in our world. So, um, yeah.